1: So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hey, this is Nancy Yerrell, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And today we're going to be talking about music. We've got Brad Schreiber here today, and he's written a really cool book. It's called Music is power but before we get to brad i want to talk about the state of humanity and uh, every week we've been talking about what's going on in the world and there's a couple articles i pulled up i want to share with you today the first one was police shoot kill black man outside a store in louisiana and this is from the ap on august 22nd 2020 and i'm going to share this with you it says the mother of a man fatally shot by Louisiana police said her son was intelligent, shy, and had sought therapy for social anxiety. Her lawyers said they plan to sue over the death of Trayford Pellerin, whose police said that had a knife and he was trying to enter a convenience store. Now, the shooting Friday night was captured on video, and the state ACLU condemned what it described. As a horrific and deadly incident of police violence against a black person, both the ACLU and the Southern Poverty Law Center quickly called for an investigation. Now, I want to also say that uh, the police say on Friday night, Lafayette officers followed Perlin in 31. He's 31 years old on foot as he left a convenience store where where he had created a disturbance with a knife. Now, Louisiana police, State Police said stun guns failed to stop him, and the officers shot Parent uh, as he tried to enter another convenience store, still with a knife in his hand. So I don't know what happened on this one, but that's, you know, I don't know what's going on out there, you guys, but it's getting crazy. Now we talk about um, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Jacob Blake Jr. Now, everybody's heard about this, I hope. He's 29 years old. He was shot in the back seven times, Um, this is getting out of hand. Now, again, he was... going to his car and we don't know all the details about this but i know that right after this happened the following day on the 24th kenosha car dealership was targeted by rioters during an overnight protest and so what's happening is people are destroying our country over these things and i understand the protest thing but it's getting out of hand and then last night this is just nuts i pulled this up online this morning Three were shot in Kenosha, Wisconsin last night, two dead, um, because people are protesting over what happened to Jacob Blake, which is totally understandable, but um, this has got to stop. Now, I did watch, and I'm going to tell you guys something. I want you to Google this, get online, I don't care, find this, Julia Jackson. This is Jacob Blake's mother. She got on uh, TV yesterday, and she talked about her son, and here's what she said. Everybody, let's use our hearts, our love, and our intelligence to work together to show the rest of the world how humans are supposed to treat each other, Jackson said. America is great when we behave greatly. Wow. She was powerful. She also said, she went on to say that the black man shot at least seven times in the back by Wisconsin police. She said um, she called for healing and asked people to pray for her seriously injured son. He's still in critical condition. She also said citizen police officers, firemen, clergymen, politicians do Jacob injustice on this level and examine your hearts. We need healing, Julia Jackson said. And then she also said, as I pray for my son's healing physically and emotionally and spiritually, I also have been praying even before this healing for our country. So let's say a little prayer, and I want you guys to check out her speech, because this woman was heartfelt, and she was right on. She was like, this has got to stop, and she called for all the violence to stop in the country right now, and uh, for people to come from their hearts. So having said that, I'd like to bring on Mr. Brad Schreiber, but Brad, before I do, let me give give the audience a little information if they don't know who you are. He's worked as a writer in all media, as well as a producer, executive director. And actor. His latest book, Music is Power, is a history of socially conscious music in all genres. His book Revolution and his book Revolution's End was honored by the International Book Awards and Independent Publisher Book Awards. Becoming Jimi Hendrix in early years biography was called Fascinating by the New York Times. Wow. And it was selected for inclusion in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's so cool, library. He created the TV series North Mission Road, which we'll have to ask him about that, which ran for six seasons based on history of the L.A. corner death in paradise. Hey, Brad, welcome to High Road to Humanity.
0: Oh, thank you very much. I've been looking forward to talking with you, Nancy.
1: I've been looking forward to talking to you, too, because you wrote this book, Music Its Power Popular, Um, songs, Social Justice and the Will to Change.
0: Yeah, I mean, that subtitle, I don't know where it came from in my head or my heart, but something about the will to change really stayed with me. You know, we have a history in this country that goes back to the 1920s of writing music that's sociopolitical, that... to change the things that we feel are wrong, and yet we still have ills in society. So I was thinking you have to feel it somewhere before you actually change your behavior. And I thought using the phrase, the will to change in the right. subtitle of the book might be a good idea.
1: What do you think about what's going on in the state of humanity, Brad?
0: Um, it. it it makes me despair, but part of my brain always goes to what could actually help correct problems. So you're talking right. about police shootings. Um, I I already see a positive change uh, since um, George Floyd died, was killed. Um, not so long ago, I mean, say six months ago in the United States, if an officer shot an unarmed man, that officer wouldn't even be reprimanded or put on leave, let alone right. you know see justice. Now you're seeing when that happens, immediately the officers are put on leave. Some of them are fired, and there could be a very positive change next year when the officers involved in the George Floyd killing um, go to trial. Because if right. they're found guilty, even if it's just like a year in jail, even if it's something as as small as that. It sets a legal precedent, and then other police departments realize, you know what? They're they're starting to criminally charge us for these things, and right. then eventually right. you'll see some changes. So well, at least I'll- we're finally addressing, I think, some of the core issues.
1: Right. Well, I just think, did you see the mother speak at all yesterday? Because I'll did. Tell you I, what. I th-
0: I did. I thought she was very moving, and it was the right type of message.
1: Yes. that's. I think that's what I want to get across to the audience. It really was. I mean, she was like, hey, I don't care what color you are. We don't treat each other like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I think there are a lot of things also combining to frustrate people. And, and while most of the protesters, I think you would agree, are peaceful, it only takes yes. one or two people to ruin that and whether those people are outsiders or whether they're part of the part of a peaceful movement that lose their temper um right. it hurts it hurts the message when people are trying to peacefully protest to set some place on fire
1: Right, exactly, exactly. And that's what they're doing, and it's it's like, I'll, I'll give you a green light to go ahead and, and loot and steal and destroy people's property, and that's not fair. Um, I'm really glad you wrote this book. Why did you write this book? What motivated you? Was it the times, or, or what is it that motivated you to write this?
0: Well, you know, Nancy, um, I started writing this before Trump was elected. And, okay. you know, I don't need to go on and on about what I think about you know, the United States of America since Trump has been elected. But um I had always loved all kinds of music. Right. And I kept thinking, there's no book that really has covered the whole history of okay. political music. You know, okay. every genre from, you know, union songs to psychedelic to comedy to hip-hop, you know, right. you name it. And right. I thought that the Times... We're right for that, and I started this maybe six months before the 2016 election. Okay.
1: Well, it's really interesting. You guys, if you're watching me on YouTube, I'll hold the book up. It's called Music is Power. It's got a really cool cover, by the way. And he starts out, and we'll talk about this, um, uh, from the very beginning when the workers were, you know, you go back into the 1900s. Um, and you talk about uh, Joe Hagland, They called him Joe Hill. He was a union organizer, right?
0: Yeah. And you
1: go, you go back and, and say how his songs were so important. And I wrote this down because I thought this is really cool. I pulled this out of your book. He says, uh, so this guy, he's back, he's in the 1900s, and he's a union organizer. And he says, a pamphlet, no matter how good it is, never read more than once. But a song is learned by heart and repeated over and over.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. Joe Hill sadly was was executed for a murder he did not commit. Wow! And when he realized that the that the state was railroading him because they didn't like his union organizing, he accepted really? his fate. And the last things he said famously were, "Don't mourn, organize." So he left people with that message that the, wow. that things change from the bottom. Barack Obama used to say that he'd say, "Um, I want to change things as much as you do, but I need your help. You need to send the message to the country that this has to change. And then I will, you know, deal with it in Washington, D.C. And that's right. That's the way things change.
1: Well, and you talk about so many different people in this book. I mean, you talk about Woody Guthrie from Oklahoma. Um, you talk about the time when he talks about uh, some history when you when you wanted to go to Los Angeles. You had to have $50 in your pocket. It was a bum blockade that you couldn't even go in and live in California unless you had a certain amount of money. I didn't know that. You told a lot of history in this
0: book. Oh, yeah. Well, you know it's what's so funny? Cool. When I was in the fourth grade in Santa Monica, California we learned um, the Woody Guthrie song Do Re Mi, and there's okay. a stand in I mean, that. Okay, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's Woody. And well, I remember as a kid singing the words, um, right. if you ain't got the Do Re Mi, boys, you ain't got the Do Re Mi, then you I better just... go back to beautiful Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee.
1: Oh, hey, listen, we got to go to commercial break, but we're going to be back here in a minute with Brad Schreiber. We're going to talk about music and the power that music has. And um, this is Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity. We'll be right back.
2: Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book a session with Nancy to learn how to tap into your own abilities.
3: So most everyone says they are happy to have a job, the latest studies show 15% of employees arrive late to work at least once or twice a week. Of course there's always a good excuse for being late, right? And employers have heard them all. When it comes to reasons for being late, most of the taradiddles or little white lies employees impart to their bosses involve getting stuck in traffic, accidentally oversleeping, or bad weather. Then again, some excuses are a little more inventive, like the cat that had the hiccups, or I thought I had won the lottery. Talk about a lot of flapdoodle! One particular employee who was interviewed in the study said that if he arrives late for work, he always makes up for it by leaving early. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
1: Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yarrow, and I'm joining with Compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com That's com. Welcome back to High Road to Humanity. Hey, you guys. I just want you guys to know that we have a new song. Um, Dan Hughes, out of the U.K., wrote a song just for High Road to Humanity. And um, so I wanted to kind of give him credit and mention that. And this is kind of a special show. I'm really glad that um, Brad Scheiber is here today because we're talking about music and how much power. And, Brad, before we get into the artist, um, will you talk a little bit about the energy? I just was thinking that um, you and I had discussed this earlier. How important the energy of the music is? Can you address that real quick?
0: Yes, it works in many ways. Of course, Nancy, it's not only the artist sending a message out into the world that then inspires people to change, but sometimes we need to hear music to to soften the blows of the world. Music that makes right. us happy, music that makes us cry, and then feel cleansed and strengthened. So, music works in a variety of ways, and. Neurologists are still amazed because it, it works in the brain and they don't exactly know how it works. It lights up more areas of the brain than any other stimuli. So I, right. I definitely wanted to push that when I wrote Music is Power.
1: Right Well, and it's true You know, they heal um, people with the healing crystal bowls It's the the uh, vibrations that heal our energy fields And uh, that's a whole nother show But the music, I feel, does the same thing It's the vibrations and the notes that, that resonate with us And so thank you for explaining that to us um, You wrote about so many different people um, in the book And so I picked out a few that I thought were cool um, One with Joan Baez Um,
0: Yeah, you couldn't have picked a a person more dedicated to making the world a better place than Joan Baez, Nancy. She she has led a remarkable life, and even though she says she's retiring now from touring, I mean, just listen to this list of things. She was there in Berkeley during the birth of the free speech movement in 1964. She was personal friends with Martin Luther King. Um, during the civil rights movements in the mid '60s, she went to Vietnam in 1973 during one of the worst periods of, of bombing to sing and perform in both South and North Vietnam. Her wow. whole life has been dedicated to trying to, you know, send healing energy to people. And on a right. personal note, I remember when um, in 1978 that um, the mayor of San Francisco and a supervisor were both assassinated by another oh, wow. supervisor, George oh, Moscone wow. and Harvey Milk. And so on that night, Joan Baez immediately drove up to San Francisco and did an impromptu concert for 40,000 people in front of the hall. And I was there. It was so oh, beautiful.
1: Oh my, oh, my gosh. How wonderful. Yeah, wow. That's the kind that,
0: of person that, she was. in in her touring. That's crazy. And at 75, I guess she's entitled to relax a little now, right?
1: (laughs) Right. And her fourth album was We Shall Overcome.
0: Yeah. Of course, um, you know, even the hit that she had, the, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, which was also done by the band, is fascinating because it's condemning war from the view of a Southerner during the Civil War. Okay. So isn't that an interesting choice? And it's it's appropriate for our times when you see, you yeah. know, monuments and, and Confederate flags coming down and trying to heal the wounds from that war in that period.
1: She was ahead of her time.
0: Yeah, and totally dedicated her whole life to it. Obviously, she was involved with Bob Dylan and toured with him when he went to England. She's right. led a really remarkable, wonderful life. Huh.
1: That's fantastic. You were lucky to get to see her perform back then. That's a classic, you know. Yeah. That's a one-in-a-lifetime kind of thing.
0: Yeah, right? and we needed it so badly. The, the, the city, San Francisco, was just being torn yeah. apart.
1: Wow. You know, there's another um, person that I asked you um, that we wanted to talk about today, and it's Marvin Gaye. And, man, you know, I'm from Detroit, grew up in ohio but moved to michigan when i was a teenager and um you know motor city and you hear all the cool stuff about barry gordy and motown records and i love how you tell the story i mean about marvin Gaye, and i and i want to know if uh talk about tammy terrell too if you will because i thought that was i I didn't know any of that so you really enlightened me on this book
0: oh thank you well you know i i brought up marvin gay of course to so what's going on was um, a remarkable album and and maybe the first serious attempt in popular music to talk about destroying the ecology and and the need for us to really care take the earth because you know you know if we don't take care of it it's it's not going to take care of us sort of thing right and he had to convince barry gordy to do that music because barry gordy felt Politically motivated music wouldn't sell. Yeah, and he was was phenomenal. How successful that album was.
1: Right. Well, and I thought it was interesting that Barry Gordy worked. You know, because he worked. Quality control. I thought this was interesting because he worked on the line, you know, for the cars for the automobile industry in Detroit. And so when he went into you know developing Motown records, um, he actually had a committee called Quality Control. He ran it kind of like he he knew that's what he knew. He knew the line, you know, of the automobile industry. So when he put Motown together, I thought that was really interesting. But the bad part about it for Marvin and for a lot of other artists is that. You say in the book that he wouldn't let them do their own thing. It was like whatever he wanted is what they sang.
0: Yeah. And and Marvin Gaye threatened to leave the label um, if if Barry wouldn't uh, release what's going on. So this would never happen today. An executive at the label said, you know what, just between us, I'll release 100,000 copies as a single of what's going on, even though Barry said no. And we'll see how it does. And it was incredible. And so that success led to Barry Gordy finally saying, okay, fine, we'll release the album. I I mentioned Tammy Terrell in the book, Nancy, not so much because she was dedicated to sociopolitical music, but she was so important as a singer with Marvin Gaye, and, and she was so brave when she developed brain cancer and was still performing until she was confined to a wheelchair. And I think, yeah. you know, I just felt that in my heart, and I wanted to mention her bravery and her involvement in, you know, what's going on and the whole Motown Records thing.
1: Right, right. Well, and they sang Ain't No Mountain High Enough, and If I yeah. Could Build My Whole World Around You um, as a duet. And then, she, yeah, that was just, you're all I need to get by. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's another one. Um, Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing. I mean, boy, these guys, yeah. they just. I'll tell you what. Um, Some of these songs, you know, you don't even realize. I didn't even realize it was her that sang that, and that she died of brain cancer. So that was pretty interesting. And then, yeah, pretty. I
0: mean, most of those are love songs. Although you could say that "Ain't No Mountain High Enough" uh, is also kind of almost a spiritual song. It's almost gospel. It's like gospel and and pop mixed together. And you can use that for personal empowerment when you think about overcoming obstacles ain't no mountain high enough ain't no valley low enough it's not just a love song and um yeah marvin was devastated when 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 he lost tammy so so many people were she was so young
1: well and then he got into cocaine i mean and he gave us songs like after she died of what's going on and mercy mercy me mm-hmm. and sexual healing and that was that was uh controversial at the time i mean that was still you know kind of ahead of its time
0: it certainly was you know again it was this concern with will it make money you know if if we do a song that's about politics or overtly sexual are people going to react in a negative way and what I always say to people is um, most songs are about love you know I love you or you broke my heart or whatever there's always room to, to write a song that's about the times you live in and, right. and urging people to, to work to make the world better there's always room for that and this book Music is Power proves that throughout history, these songs not are not only are effective, they're commercially successful.
1: Right, right. Well, and with Marvin Gaye, I just, you know, what a tragic ending he had. I mean, he was homeless for a time, and then he you write that he went back home. Um, he was at his parents, but it sounded like he kind of didn't respect their space. And tell the story, if you would. We've got about uh, two minutes before we go to break.
0: Yeah. Well, not I don't I don't want to bring people down too badly, but but obviously Marvin Gaye, you know, eventually was was uh, in an argument with his father who who shot him, and yeah. it was an incredible tragedy, especially considering how important Marvin Gaye had been to not only Motown's history but the history of sociopolitical music, and mm-hmm. don't forget that Norman Whitfield was an in-house producer. At Barry Gordy's label. And he would go and say, Okay, I've got this great song um, for the Temptations. You know, you're going to yeah. do this wonderful song, you know, uh, uh, yeah. about the conditions of the world. And even though people were sign music, sometimes <laughs> it's funny. Sometimes in Motown, you just stumble into something like Edwin Starr walking down a hallway and somebody says, Hey, There's a great song called "War," and we want you to do it because these other guys didn't didn't work out. And Edwin Starr goes, "Okay, fine, but I got to do it my way, and I gotta, I gotta growl, and I gotta throw in improvisational little words here and there." Yeah. And you got this classic "War" by Edwin Starr, just by accident, walking down a hallway at Motown Records.
1: Ah, come on, nothing's by accident.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, maybe not. I mean, like you said, Nancy. You know, he, he ran things as if it was an assembly line. So there right. there was good quality control. Um, yeah. There was a lot of control over the musicians and artists. But, right. you know, once Marvin Gaye had that hit, it made the way for people like Stevie Wonder to do what he wanted to do. You know, Santa songs Santa. like Living for the City. Hey, we're ready
1: to. Yeah, I hate to cut you off here. But we're getting ready to go to commercial break. Hey, listen, you guys, pick up this book. It's called Music is Power. It's by uh, it's a Popular Song a Popular Songs, Social Justice, and the Will to Change by Brad Shriver. And this is Nancy You're Out. This is High Road to Humanity, and we'll be right back.
2: You subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, NancyYearOut.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road.
3: Visiting a ranch in Colorado, I met a goat named Lucky. Domesticated goats are sometimes kept as pets, similar to a dog or cat. When Abraham Lincoln was president, his sons kept two goats in the White House with them. There are about 450 million goats in the world. Male goats are called bucks, and female goats are called does. Of course, the young goats are kids. Sometimes racehorses are given a goat friend, so they won't be lonely in the stall. The phrase getting someone's goat comes from the unsportsmanlike practice of stealing the competition's goat to unsettle the horse before the race. Goats need a lot of room to roam so they don't feel confined. What's the fear of being penned in? Clithrophobia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Do you
1: feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better, to create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me. And I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better.
3: Because we all hold
1: the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up, The Universe is Speaking to You. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes and Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book. And may the energy of the universe bless you. Hey, welcome back to High Road to Humanity. This is Nancy Yearout, and I'm here today with Brad Schreiber, and we're talking about his book. It's called Music is Power, and we're talking about music and in the book he's he has so many different artists. I just happened to pick out a few um to talk about. And um hey, tell us a little bit about The Temptations. What do you give us some info about The Temptations? I love them.
0: Well, 1970 would be a very big year for both Motown Records and the Temptations because the fellow I just mentioned in the last segment Norman Whitfield um, he gave them a song to do called Ball of Confusion which is subtitled That's What the World Is Today okay. and it was an inc- it was so you un- so startling and unique because it was this danceable song that talked about Racism and hate, and the space race and war. And yet, at the same time, it was filled with energy. It wasn't a sad sounding song. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ball of Confucian became this huge hit that really drove Motown and convinced Barry Gordy that, you know, this idea of psychedelic soul music could also be sociopolitical. Soul music oh. or socio-political R and B music, and right. it really kind of broke the mold. I love that song, not only musically, but there's a phrase in it: "obligation to our nation." At that time, you know, a lot of people were talking about the Vietnam War, and those people who believed in the war said, "You have an obligation to the nation to go mm-hmm. and fight the war," whereas the other half of the country was saying, "Well, is it just? And why are we there?" And of course, there was a draft, and people who were opposed to the war were being forced to fight it. And that changed. That changed thanks to um, another song, Nancy, which was um, written by P.F. Sloan. And he wrote Eve of Destruction in 1965. And inevitably, it led to an amendment to the Constitution that it gave 18 year olds the right to vote. And the wow. reason. The reason that was significant, Nancy, is because within the song, there was the line, You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. And it started this conversation. And then Richard Nixon finally okayed the 26th Amendment that gave 18 year olds the vote, as well as I, uh, going to I Vietnam. did not.
1: Yeah, I did not know that. That is really, really interesting. See, music is power, and it does have a lot of power over us. You know, just if you're having a bad day and you turn on your favorite song, and it uplifts you, it changes you. Just like you said, it brings out your emotions. And um, I'm really glad you wrote this book. It's really interesting, really interesting. How has it done so far? I mean, have you got a lot of good um, feedback, I mean, from it?
0: Yeah, I've really enjoyed promoting it and, it came out in November, and and I'm still promoting it. So I think it's a sign of the times, in a way, that yeah. people are recognizing that not only can music occasionally change history, it can change your body chemistry. You know, it can make you feel yes. better. It can it can comfort you in the darkest of times, and that's right. that's pretty remarkable.
1: It is, you know. He also, um, we were talking about the Temptations. Um, Papa was a Rolling Stone. That was uh, that. That was a big one, and it won. They won three Grammys in '73. The Temptations did. I did not know they had sixteen number one albums.
0: Sixteen number one singles. Yes. Um, yes.
1: Crazy. I didn't know
0: it, that. Isn't that wild? And and I think Papa was a Rolling Stone, and also um, another Motown song. Um, Love Child, which the Supremes did. These were yeah. songs that talked about the disappearance of the father figure in the black family.
1: Yeah, Love in Child, a, definitely, in the, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. In, in addition to, you know, institutional racism and poverty. And those were really important songs. And nobody mm-hmm. had really been doing those kinds of songs. And again, that message was mixed with really marvelous music that was very energetic.
1: Well, and it's, time, it's timeless because that stuff still stands true today. It seems like things haven't changed very much, you know?
0: Yeah, well, things change, but never as fast as we'd like them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, you, you see laws gradually change. But as I said earlier, change always comes from the bottom up. It comes from people demanding justice and then... Um, it filters up to the people who supposedly make the laws and, and guide us right. and say oh there 's so much pressure we need to do something about this and then and then you get changed,
1: hey, I wonder. I wrote down here a quote from Otis Williams um, from The Temptation. He's the sole survivor of The Temptations. And he said, Artists can be messengers of good faith just as much as a minister on uh, or a politician can. A lot of times music can go places where politicians can't go. I thought that was profound.
0: Yeah, isn't that great? I, I love that too. And again, yeah. it, it it says something about a record label founded by a guy who worked in an auto assembly plant. And yet he, despite the control he exerted, there were so many amazing groups and and composers and singers to come out Mm -hmm. of Motown. And like I said, you know, it gave the freedom, you know, with the success of Marvin Gaye and The Temptations and so forth, He gave the freedom to other artists in Motown and then other artists in the whole industry to do what they wanted to do. And then you got, you know, Stevie Wonder, like I said, living in the city. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, let's talk about Jimi Hendrix. I didn't know that much about him. I mean, I've always listened to it, but I didn't know. You tell the story. He's from Seattle. He had a stern father. He Mm -hmm. came. this, This amazed me. He came from a poor family. Um, he took care of his brother Leon, and often they were fed by the neighbors.
0: Yeah, this is this is very close to my heart, Nancy, because I wrote a book called Becoming Jimi Hendrix,
1: right? Which, yeah, I just read which that. Which yeah, was his yeah. early
0: years, and um, they were very hard. It's remarkable that that Jimmy ever got out of Seattle, because he, he if he hadn't gone into the army, he joined the army in the 101st Airborne.
1: No, I was like Jimmy Hendrix was in the army. I had no idea.
0: <laughs> I know, isn't that strange? And the reason is he was caught joyriding and somebody somebody else stole a car and he was in it. And it okay. happened twice and the judge said, "All right, Mr. Hendrix, you can go to jail or you can join the army." Okay. And in 1962, um, you were given that choice. So he oh. signed up with the paratroopers at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But but his evolution really is kind of remarkable. And instead of writing overtly political songs, he write about people waking up. He was very big on people waking up and the idea of everybody has a certain spirit and a certain compassion that they need to tap into.
1: Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. He was ahead of his time.
0: Yeah. And no better example than the song Are You Experienced, which, of course, in 1967, there's lots of drugs and, you know, it's the summer of love and all the hippies. Mm-hmm. But Jimi Hendrix had this really remarkable line in the song um, where he said, are you experienced, not necessarily stoned, but beautiful? And what other artist of the time had the nerve to say, to evolve, you don't have to be high, but you mm-hmm. got to tap into a, a place within yourself where you have, compassion and caring and anybody can do that so don't think right. you have to take drugs in order to necessarily open your your mind and your heart and i thought that was a fantastic message and this right. is all to he, say nothing about really, what he did with feedback guitar which was of course revolutionary but he right. was a very spiritual guy
1: yeah, I see, and I didn't realize that he was that much of a spiritual guy until I read your book. I mean, I always liked his stuff, and I know he's phenomenal um, guitarist, but um, had no idea. And then he got involved in the civil rights movement. Correct?
0: Most people don't don't know that. We discovered that when when Steve Roby, the the uh, historian who gave me all this information, and I wrote *Becoming Jimi Hendrix*. He and his friend Billy Cox got arrested in Nashville at a okay. sit-in, you know, because the lunch encounters were segregated back in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. And um, they were playing at a club in Nashville, and the owner bailed them out, but he made them pay him back. But Jimmy was not a guy who would proselytize. He was a guy who would use imagery and poetic language to talk about evolving. Um, Or sometimes just the sound of music, without without words, you know?
1: Well, I was just going to say, his death is so tragic. We've got about two minutes to break, but um, talk about his death. It's always been a little controversial, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I have come to the conclusion that forensically, there's proof that Jimmy was killed. And I believe it was by his manager, who was a very nefarious guy named Mike Jeffrey a former British uh, intelligence agent who actually was managing Jimmy at the time and wanted to basically um, control Jimmy. And when Jimmy didn't want him to control the band, um, in London, they found Jimmy lying on a bed. There was red wine poured down his throat that went into his lungs and nine German sedatives. And I don't believe that Jimmy committed suicide. I think he was taken out. And um, so when people talk about the 27 Club and all the rock and roll artists who overindulged, I always tell them, okay, Janice and Jim Morrison and Kurt Cobain, but not Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix was killed by his manager
2: and right. some
0: other thugs because he wanted to take over the catalog. Um, wow. that And that guy, by the way...
1: That's crazy. People do really crazy stuff. I mean, you know, and how talented, you know, how talented he was and what a good person he was. And (laughs) to see him taken out like that. Hey, you guys... It's just Nancy Ehrhout. I'm here today with Brad Schreiber. He's got a wonderful book out. You got to pick it up. It's called Music is Power. If you're watching me on YouTube, I'm holding it up here. I hope you guys will check it out. Um, we've got one more segment and we've got some more artists to talk about. And then we're going to talk about Green Day and we're going to talk about some hip hop too, which, um, which will be kind of fun and some rap. So this is Nancy Ehrhout. This is High Road to Humanity and we'll be right
2: back. <laughs> We'll be right back with The High Road and more. Don't forget to visit Nancy's website at nancyyearout.com to sign up for her online classes or to book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities.
1: Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? the universe is speaking to you it's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com that's n-a-n-c-y-y-e-a-r-o-u-t.com barnes and noble and amazon and thanks for picking up my book and may the energy of the universe bless you
2: We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Now, welcome back to The High Road.
1: Hey, this is Nancy Ural, and welcome back to High Road to Humanity. I'm here today with Brad Schreiber. Brad, it's been a pleasure to have you on my show today. I was
0: looking forward to it. I knew it would be a great discussion.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm just so happy you came. Let's finish talking about Jimmy. Um, We were talking about Jimi Hendrix's death, and uh, continue on, and give us uh, some more information about that, if you would.
0: Yeah. You know, Mike Jeffrey, the manager who caught up with Jimmy in London, and obviously, forensically, there's no way Jimmy committed suicide, you know, with the red wine poured down his throat and the nine a German Vesperax um, sedative. Um
1: right.
0: You know, Jeffrey wanted to control the catalog, and, and if Jimmy died, you know, Jeffrey would uh, be able to make money off of all those recordings because Jimmy recorded constantly. Um, but he got his just dessert somehow. He died at, in an accidental plane crash when he really? was being asked to fly back to London um, to stand trial for stealing money from other bands he represented. So it was almost like um, somebody upstairs said, you know, you took out Jimi Hendrix and you're going to have to pay. And uh, he did. He went down in that airplane crash before he could fly back to London and stand trial. Um, and I, think- I don't say it to be morose. I just I just tell people that story so they know that um, Jimmy was a very special kind of person, a very open person. Mm, very special story. person. I, I love the story of how once he was in New York and talking with a, a taxi cab driver, and Jimmy said, we're going to do some recording, and the guy was so enthusiastic that Jimmy said, well, why don't you park the cab and you know we'll have you play a tambourine or something? <laughs> <laughs> and brought in the cab driver to sit in on a session. I mean that's how open Jimmy was, that's how loving and and kind of naive and innocent he was, which is very unusual for a very rough business like the music business.
1: Right. Hey, let's move on to Green Day. Um I was gosh, I didn't know any of this. This is such an interesting book for all you people out there who really love music and I think most people do. This is a really interesting book. Um you say that these guys had a tough uh, upbringing. I mean, one of them, Billy, Billy Joe uh, Armstrong, Armstrong. Yeah. yeah uh, his uncle Jay was shot to death on a parachuting mission in Vietnam, and that really affected him. And then you say um, Trey Cool, He was the drummer. Uh, you say he was the son of a Vietnam veteran, is that right? A Marine helicopter pilot. And he, um, he saw war, or his father saw war, and um, it, it really uh, influenced him. And then Mike Dert was adopted, and um, his mother was like a heroin addict, and his yeah. adoptive parents divorced. And, man, what it showed me was they all really had um, tough childhoods, and, and they were affected by war.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and so, so American Idiot, which uh, was phenomenally successful as an album and then became right. a Broadway musical, maybe the most rock and roll musical ever to hit Broadway, was really influenced by the pain that they all experienced. And, um, for example, Billy Joe Armstrong talked about the impact of September 11th. He said, it completely changed the climate. And it's impossible not to be affected by that. And everything it spawned, this war, referring to the Iraq War, more paranoia, the terror alerts with different colors. So, interestingly, Green Day's American Idiot came like a year and a half after the Dixie Chicks, who are now called the Chicks, had gotten into trouble for criticizing the Iraq War. They didn't even do a song about the Iraq War. They just... You know, said uh, the president of the United States, referring to George W. Bush, you know, we're ashamed he's from Texas like us. And all of a sudden, when they came back to the U.S., country radio, um, the labels, the fans were all attacking them and destroying their their records. Um, And that backlash was gone 18 months later when the Iraq war proved to be a disaster and Green Day was talking about the terrible effects of war. Right. And it all went back to what you said, Nancy, about their youth and how the Vietnam War impacted parents. Right. The guys in the band.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, that's where their a lot of their um, music came from. It's interesting. You know, people write what's in their soul. People write what they feel. And that's what I picked up from them from Green Day.
0: Yeah. and. and- and it's kind of interesting, too. I, I mentioned that their musical, which was really successful, I saw it here in Los Angeles, and it was very powerful. Um, it, it was not quite punk music, but it was really close to being metal, punk, and rock and roll all blended together. And it right. told me the story like, of drug about. addiction and how war and drugs really can ruin the family structure. Right, and it was about three buddies, and you know what a coincidence, three guys in Green Day, you know who are all friends, and then the musical about three people who were impacted by war and drugs,
1: and what it did yeah, um out of all the different stories um that you wrote, um what was the most surprising to you um in the research that you did for this book who What was the most surprising thing, like what was your like, oh wow,
0: yeah. That's a great question. I think the answer is music that I think was very significant but was not one of my favorites was um, the Sex Pistols in okay. England. Um, those guys grew up, and I love the fact, Nancy, that you really care about where these people came from and how it shaped huh. who they became. The Sex yeah. Pistols, all those, all those punk guys were incredibly poor They grew up in an area in North London called Finsbury Park, and they were so poor that they would go to bombed-out buildings from World War II and have fights with gangs using nothing but bricks. And I just thought, my God, no wonder they were so angry when they created their music. They grew Mm -hmm. up fighting for their very lives in one of the darkest uh, places in London.
1: And that was their outlet to release it. Is
0: yeah, their and, and of course, punk, punk didn't necessarily in, in lyrics address social ills as much as just have a, a quality of sound that said, you know, this is a mess, and nobody cares about us, and we're angry with you because you don't care about us. So it was that kind of a movement. Right. And people were really angry in, in London with punks. People would beat up punks. Because,
1: they because dress
0: so outrageous!
1: For wow. Me. wow, that's crazy. Hey, I there was something else I wanted to ask you about yeah. this book. How long did it take you? Because there's so much in here. You guys, it's such a wonderful book. You got to pick it up. Okay. It's called Music okay. Is Power. Um, how long did it take you to do all this research? Because there's quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I I chose every style of music I could think of, even country music. Talk about Jeannie C. Riley and the fun song Harper Valley PTA, which is oh, about. Yeah, I
1: remember that.
0: Long. Remember that I song? That, that song sold two million copies, Nancy. <laughs> and no one had ever heard of Jeannie Riley and talked about small mindedness in, in, in country folk and judgmentalism. Right. But it's hard to say. I, I kept um, finding new groups I wanted to write about, and then I do. So the research took a long time. And the actual writing went very fast. I was very excited once um, I got the contract because right. I basically sent them two chapters. And um, Rutgers University Press said, yeah, we, we got what you want to do. Go do it. And then I think I finished the book in actual writing in five months. But I had done tons of research over a few years.
1: Yeah, to put it together, I figured that because I figured it, you know it would take you a while. Hey, you know something? I don't hear people hum anymore. You know how I, you know how people <laughs> used to kind of sing and you're in the store or hum. Uh-huh. I don't see it anymore. I don't see it. Are we? Is it because of the mask? <laughs> yeah,
0: I I think maybe they can't be heard humming through the mask. That's funny. <laughs> it's a very funny line.
1: I mean, I grew up singing. I'm just going to say that because uh, we got about three minutes to go to the end of the show. But I grew up singing, and my mom always sang. And I know a lot of these songs in here because maybe at the times we're so different, we all sang. And I don't see that so much anymore. What do you think? Can you address that a minute?
0: Yes. Well, I think that uh, people have to remember, remember that no matter how troublesome life is, that music has always been with us. You know? In the, in the Civil War you know um, slaves had you know songs that were gospel to give them the strength to, to survive their very difficult lives and we mm-hmm. have to remember that that music in general is something that's very positive and meditative and curative and it's been with us in times that were even harder than the times we're going through now and we have to Remember that sociopolitical music has always been there, and mm-hmm. the problems have always been there, and the positive effect of that music has always been there too.:
1: Hey, Brad, we got about maybe one minute or so before
0: we're out of here. If uh, somebody
1: wants to get in touch with you, how, do you, do you have a website, or
0: can people I if do. they have
1: questions I mean uh, how do they name, find
0: you? My name is my website, bradschreiber.com. Or if you don't know how to spell Schreiber, I have another one that's the same site, BrashCyber.com. Sounds like you're saying Brad Schreiber, but you're drunk off your ass and slurring your speech. (laughs) BrashCyber.com. And I got a lot of video and audio and, and a lot of fun stuff that people can explore as well as links to all the books.
1: Okay, so what are you doing these days? I mean, is there another book in yet? or, or yes. so- oh, what's oh, yes. Next? Um, yeah. I,
0: can't, I can't say yet because I haven't signed the contract, but I'm going to co-write a book with a, with a well-known author okay. who's writing a book about um, um, hip-hop music and, nice. and uh, police and the oh, way wow. that police can come to understand youth better if they listen to hip-hop. I'm also working on a memoir of my 20s, it was a very wild and interesting time in my life. And I'm also developing a podcast based on um, Death in Paradise, which is my book on the L.A. coroner's office. So I'm working on podcast episodes about famous cases of accidental wow. death murder and suicide of hollywood well, we'll
1: people have you back well i definitely have to have you back on the show hey we got to end it for today but brad thanks for coming on and oh, you guys pick you. up his book it's called music is power and this is nancy here this is high road to humanity i want you guys to have a really good week this week and take care For more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. To sign up for my intuitive life coaching or a psychic reading, visit my website, www.nancyyearout.com. My email address is nancy at highroadtohumanity.com. So have a fabulous week and know that by staying on the high road, you will make it to your destination.